Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined again with Brittany Welk, who's been on the podcast two times before. This is her third time on the show. Welcome back, Brittany. Thanks for having me back. I feel like it's it's fun to come back and like see the evolution of being a business owner when you do these kind of, of podcasts and conversations. So I'm definitely excited to be back. Yeah, you kind of see the growth from two ends, like how the podcast has grown, but also has yeah. like what you have to share and add value to has, yeah. has changed tremendously over the years. Mm-hmm. So um, if you guys want to check out previous episodes of Brittany, she was back on episode 78 and episode 99, actually her uh, partner in, in life yeah. and in business, Marcia mm-hmm. was on her, on the, uh, episode 99. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk all about sales today. We want to talk about how coaches can get involved in the sales side of things, because I mean, I believe strongly that, that sales is really one of the key paths for coaches to make this a career for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that you don't have to be, you don't have to be the best at it, but if you can get some basic skills down, it can really be the difference between being a average coach that has to switch careers after a few years to being a career coach that gets to love what they do. So um, where do you want to kick things off, Brittany, um, in terms of the sales side of things? What are some of the first thoughts that come to mind for you? Yeah. First things that come to mind is just anytime that I've talked to gym owners in the past, this seems to be a, a uh, issue like that comes up is how do I get my coaches involved in a, how do I get my coaches involved in the sales process? And B, how do I pay my coaches more? How do I pay my coaches what they're worth? Or how do I get them to a point where they feel like this can be a career for them, or this can be something that they see supporting their families, um, outside of having to have two or three other jobs or side clients. So I think those are two things that I hope we touch on today is like, Yes, your coaches should be involved in your sales process. And yes, 100%, there are ways to help your coaches make more money at your gym so that they can be career coaches for you and you can um, provide steady income for the people that are on your roster. Okay. Now at your, at your gym, Lady Strong Fitness, you guys, you said that you have about 250 members. Are mm-hmm. your coaches generally helping to bring those new members on or are they generally upselling those members into personal training or individualized programming or specialty programs? Yeah. Good question. So they do both. Um, I do firmly 100% believe that your coaches should absolutely be involved in the sales process of a regular membership. Um, If you think about it, your coaches spend 60 minutes with that prospect, your front desk salespeople maybe spend 15 to 20 minutes with that person tops, right? Welcoming them into the studio, getting them acclimated to, you know, the studio, the tour, the gym, put your, you know, put your shoes here. Here's the water fountain. Here's the bathroom, et cetera. But then after the coach gets them, they spend the majority of their time at your gym or at your fitness studio with that coach. So if your coach doesn't have some acumen of sales or like a basic understanding of how they can really almost psychologically talk to that prospect to get them in the buying mode before they even come back to sit down and review membership packages. That's step number one is getting your coaches there. Secondly, in PT, if your coaches should have an eye for those members who are new coming in, who maybe have never done, you know, CrossFit or, or something like that. Maybe they've never worked with a barbell. Maybe they've never even seen a box to jump on before. Maybe they have even picked up a dumbbell. So if your coaches can have an eye for a, that demographic, and B, the demographic who maybe just needs some tweaks in form, maybe who could stand to be pushed a little more outside of group classes or could use a little bit more one-on-one attention or listening in on conversations that they're either having with you or another member of like, 
you know, man, I wish I could get a little bit stronger on this, or if I could lift a little bit heavier, picking those cues up and then being able to, to pinpoint that member and have that conversation are two ways that I think coaches should really be involved in the sales process. Yeah. So to give us a little context, it sounds like you guys have people come in and try a free class and they generally have yep. a come in 20 to 30 minutes early for that, have a yep. little bit of conversation with front desk prior to that. Correct. Mm-hmm. So yep. then the coach, um, do you like for them to then basically block out some time for after class to spend with that or mm-hmm. is all of their sales happening within the minor touch points of the class setting? Yeah, good question. So for us, the process looks like this. Prospect comes in, um, our front desk girls will welcome them. They fill out a client intake form. It's not a park queue. It's more of a get to know the person and also help the salesperson overcome objections on this intake form. Once the intake form is filled out, we're taking them to the coach. We're having the coach um, handoff, which is where the front desk person is kind of reviewing the client intake form. This is their goals, no injuries, et cetera. Coach takes the prospect. They talk about the class, talk about how it's going to go, talk about what their goals are and how they can achieve them. In class, they're getting 15 to 20 touch points in class, whether it's call-outs on the mic, personal touches, challenges with heavier weights, whatever that looks like in class, but it's 15 to 20 touch points. After class, the, the coach is letting the entire group know, because this is important, because a lot of people are like, well, members ask me questions and I don't have time to talk. It's like, this is how you go. This is how you get past that. This is a tip. All you got to do is tell your members, hey guys, so it's Sally's first class here today. Um, let's give her a round of applause. Awesome job, Sally. But I just feel like you guys know, I got to give her five or 10 minutes of my time right now because I really just want to make sure she feels good after her workout. So if you guys have questions for me, that's fine. You can either wait at the front desk for me and I'll answer them then. Or you can just catch me at the next class, but I am going to be spending five or 10 minutes here with Sally. Okay. Now your members know, okay, you know, the coach is busy with that member. I'm going to have to just wait to ask my questions, right? Then the pressure is off the coach to answer questions and they can solely focus on that prospect and really ask, how was your class? How are you feeling? Okay, Sally, based on the goals that you shared with us at the, you know, before you started class, I need to see you here three or four times a week. Can you commit to three or four times a week, Sally? Yes, I can commit. Your coaches are learning to get micro commitments from that prospect. They're already getting in the buying mindset. They're already saying, yes, 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 I can do that. Yes, I can do that. So once that handoff happens back to that front desk, your coach can go, okay, Sally, remember you told me that you could be here three or four times a week. So I can't wait to see you again. Sally, you're going to be an awesome part of this community. We'll see you in your next class, right? Now that prospect is like primed and ready to go for that sales conversation. So there are pieces that your coaches, small, minor, just verbiage that your coach can use during class that doesn't take a lot of training time that can really help you sell those memberships. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it, uh, it's important that there's an expectation of a sale. I think a lot of times if someone's coming to a free trial class, the coach or the front desk person very much treats it as like a true trial and puts mm-hmm. the ball in that person's court, as opposed to like assuming that, Hey, if this person's showing up and trying to class, like if they're going to go through that level of pain and mm-hmm. sorts to do this, they're probably wanting to start a new workout routine 100%. and just kind of going in with that assumption is, is a great way to frame things where you can then try to then prescribe something for the client, right? The goal then yeah. would be prescribe something for the client, as opposed to, if you're assuming that they're mm-hmm. just trying something out, they're probably going to come, you know, uh, think about it. Then it's yeah. a different approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I also do believe that in that same, that same process, 
if that coach sees that prospect in class and is like, whoa, they are so not ready for group classes. Now you flip the script to, hey, let's set up a time that you and I can just sit down together and review your goals. I really think it would be helpful for you to have, maybe you don't eight, eight PT sessions before you actually jump into group class. Cause I just really want to make sure that I help you build a solid foundation. What time would be a good time for us to sit down and meet? So your coaches will learn like, this could be an upsell opportunity for me in PT if I, if it's necessary, but if they're not comfortable having that conversation with that prospect, they're going to miss out on that income or that opportunity for income every single time, you know, and it's our responsibility as gym owners to help our coaches understand that and to teach them how to do that. What percentage of people would you say at your gym, go into the group class, those that do sign up, right? So Mm -hmm. if you just take signups um, and forget the people that leave without signing up, but what percentage do something outside of the group class? Like how many just go straight to group classes and how many do like personal training or whatever might the potential outside opportunity might be? So most, I would say hundred percent of them go into group first and then our coaches kind of pick them out from there. Okay. Um, but I know like Leah, for example, Leah is probably the one with the biggest PT book of business at our studio right now. She's getting better because she actually, she works front to hybrid. She works front desk and she coaches and she does mm. PT. So she's like all over the place, but I think she's got, um, the ability now to pick people out as prospects that are coming in. So she's been setting up more consults with prospects versus just jumping them right into, um, into the group classes. So I would say that that's getting better, but I would, you know, hundred percent of people go right into group. And then if for some reason we're noticing or our coaches are noticing that they need a little bit more help, we're going to pull them aside and set up a consult with them. Gotcha. So it sounds like as you guys get better, you're catching those opportunities earlier mm-hmm. and earlier. Sooner but still very much. So it's about kind of getting them into the mix and then we'll kind of yeah. solve it once they're into the mix and, and, uh, starting that routine on their own. Yeah. Yep. Cause at the end of the day, you know, our model's a little bit different. We we're, we want to be a volume based model. That's realistically where we're at because we're wanting to roll out our license program this year and do a lot of things. So we are more of a volume based studio, but we wanted to give not only our coaches, but our members an opportunity for PT um, because a, you can a make more revenue for your business, right? That we all know mm-hmm. that that's a higher ticket item that can add revenue without having to add either hours, you know, or, or, uh, or staff. And then two, um, it's just another service add on and a way for your staff to earn more income while you earn yeah. more income too. So, um, it's not a huge piece of our business, but it is a piece of it. Now, do you see your onboarding process evolving at all? And, and the reason I bring this up is when we were growing BeachFit, specifically our BeachFit program, um, we did allow the free class and we really highly promoted the free class. It was, you know, for, for years with our CrossFit, it was like, okay, there was only a free Saturday class or over time mm-hmm. we did away with even that. And then once we launched BeachFit, it was really cool to be able to say, hey, any day of the week, anytime. You could bring a spouse, you could bring a friend to try a free mm-hmm. class. Yeah. And then what happened over time is as the average person in those classes became more experienced, the weight mm-hmm. of a new person in that class was felt more and more because the differential mm-hmm. in terms of experience um, became more and it started to limit what we could program and almost also limit kind of the pace of class, the attention that coaches could give to our more veteran members. And Mm -hmm. then we also were hitting numbers. We were capping classes to the point that it was like, okay, well, we don't need to have this huge inflow Mm -hmm. of people at this point. So we've switched now to uh, more of this 40 days to fit model where they start with PT 
And at the minimum, they start with two personal training sessions. If they don't have like prerequisite experience at, at a similar type of CrossFit style gym, do you okay. see that evolving at all to where, as you guys, and I know COVID's kind of a different situation, but you yeah. mentioned, you think you might get a rush in the summer. Do you see, okay, mm-hmm. once we get that initial rush, we start to settle in, could we potentially evolve the model? Yeah, I think that right now with how we're running things, it's, this is how we've been doing it for five years. Like we'll let a prospect into, into a group class. We just position them a closer to the coach. So we give them a spot closer Mm -hmm. to the coach. So they're within eyesight. Our studio is not huge. It's just a big square. Um, it's about 1800 square feet of working space. So it's, everybody's pretty visible. We usually don't have more than two prospects in a class at one time. Mm -hmm. So I, we've never felt the need to have a different onboarding process for new members because it's never become a problem. Now, if like you said, you know, we talked earlier offline about, um, me potentially seeing an increase in may after people started getting vaccinated, herd immunity, all that stuff comes into play that may cause us to need to have a different onboarding process because if we're, we're having four or five new prospects in a class, we may a either either need to add just a specific beginner class to the week where mm-hmm. all of our prospects kind of come into this beginner class first, or we may need to cap the number of new people per class. Um, we have a certain member number that we want to hit. We want to be at 350 members by the end of June. That's okay. really our goal. That's capacity for us right now. Um, so we're going to work to that point. And if we have to evolve the model, we will, but, you know, pre COVID we've got pretty busy and, and it never seemed to be an issue. So if the need is there, I definitely think we would, but it's kind of a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And so I think yeah. that that's where we're at with the onboarding right now. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, people ask like what onboarding process is best. And I think they yeah. all work and they all work differently at various mm-hmm. types of businesses, various stages yeah. of businesses. It just, you know, as long as it's, it's working in terms of the holistic view of what the business is kind of trying to create, then yeah. anything can really work. And, uh, um, so yeah, I just wanted to ask about that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to then ask about the sales side. You yeah. had talked a lot about the new member. Now, do you see with someone who's been in your programs for some time, how does that sales process or approach change from the coach, mm-hmm. if at all, or Yeah, I think we were, uh, we talked a little bit about this offline too, but I think part of it is teaching and helping your coaches understand the indicators that a member is in need of PT. Mm. What are they saying? How are they performing in class? Are they showing up for class, but complaining of being sore or my shoulder or this or that? Like being able to understand the cues that people are like the nonverbal or verbal cues that people are giving you um, unknowingly to them that they could potentially be a good candidate for PT, right? They may not be directly asking you like, Hey, can I have PT? But they may be coming up to you after class and asking a lot of repetitive questions about nutrition, about their workouts, about lifting heavier. Should I, you know, should I be doing cardio on my off days or should I be lifting heavier on this day? Like they're asking you questions because they see you as an expert. So for me, if I have a person coming up to me, asking me all these questions, I'm like, listen, why don't we sit down and have a consult? We'll talk about this. We can go over all these things for you and then use that as an opportunity to upsell somebody into a PT package because you can really have that deep dive conversation. So coaches just, they have to be trained to hear and see the cues that the members are actually giving them without the member even knowing they're giving them off. 
Now, do you find that you have a certain type of client that fits kind of your personal training mold? Like at our gym, Mm -hmm. I would say that our most common personal training clients right now are people that are training for some kind of, usually it's a sport, um, outside Mm -hmm. of our daily classes. So like we have a lot of golfers, um, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of people that are training maybe for like races or things like that, that start Mm -hmm. to think about this. Maybe Murph is like a big milestone that they want to train for. And then you have kind of the injury side, since all of our coaches are trained in like active life stuff. So if someone's got Mm -hmm. a nagging injury, that might make them a good personal training client. Do you find that it's similar or different at your gym? Yeah. So obviously with our demographic, it's not a lot of athletes. We don't get a ton of athletes or like marathon runners or anything like that. If we get a marathon runner, it's somebody who is just like, I want to check it off my bucket list and run a marathon. You know, that's kind of where they're at. Us is more injury and then new to fitness, like brand new to fitness, have no foundation. Like you see their squat and group class and you're like, okay, yep. You shouldn't be in here. Right. It's more people like that that we're really picking out and taking aside and doing PT. It's also people who have very kind of audacious weight loss goals. Maybe it's a, it's a big 50, 60, 70 pound weight loss goal, and they need more dialed in accountability, dialed in nutrition, dialed in workouts to really take that, that training to the next level. So that's where we see it most is new, new to fitness injuries, Um, people who need to kind of dial back their group can't do the jumping and the lunging and all that stuff. They need something real sore pace. And then people have big, really big goals and just really need more dialed in accountability. Nice. You mentioned, um, in the new member sales process about Mm -hmm. having that call outside, how important is that on the current member veteran member side of things to separate the sales process and have it as a phone call, as opposed to trying to have it on the spot in the gym. Yeah, I think, you know, most of the consults that, uh, like Leah does is in person. She'll set up an in-person meeting with that person, um, just to do kind of a little bit of an assessment, maybe go through a small workout. Um, sometimes she'll do FMS with them, just depending on where they're at. Um, just kind of a running through some basic motion squats, lunges, all those things, balance, stability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice because Leah has a PT background. So she's just really good with all like the dynamics of movement, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I do think that there needs to be a dedicated time to sit down with these people. I, I think that you can have a small conversation like off the cuff, but I think that it's better to be in a quiet space, gather your thoughts, take notes really be an active listener to the person sitting in front of you and not distracted by a million other things going on um, to really get somebody in to a point where A, they see the value in personal training, uh, B, they see the value in having you as their trainer and C, they're ready to buy. Because the in sales in general, there's their objections are just smoke streams. They're just excuses. There are really no objections. The only two true objections there are is that person doesn't trust you and they don't trust the program that you're offering them to get them the results they're looking for. Those are really the only two things, unless they're not a decision maker, which most people are a decision maker in their family these days. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just like whatever you're telling them, they don't trust you. They don't trust that you're, they don't, they don't like you or trust you as a person. And B, whatever program you're selling them, P to your group, they really don't see that, they don't trust that that's going to get them to their goals. Those are the only two reasons people won't buy. So when you're selling to somebody, you've got to get them to trust you and they've got, you've got to get them to trust that what you're offering them is actually going to get them the results that they're saying they want. Yeah. I think the thing that I see with a lot of coaches is they actually don't get to the point that the client even realizes that they're offering something 
is that they're trying to provide a solution on the spot and they get yeah. caught in like what I call like the friend zone, which is like, yep. they've started to prescribe, you know, a part of the solution, but not the full solution. And mm-hmm. because they've never separated and had like that really good conversation, figured out the goals, did some assessments and actually said, Hey, I can help you. And this is what it would, would look like. This, this is how we would mm-hmm. attack it. Um, they actually, the client doesn't even know that there's something to be bought. So, yeah. you know, commonly with like an injury, something, you know, you have something bothering you. A lot of times a coach is going to be like, Hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this banded movement, this stretch? And they start providing solutions, but they've never actually taken the time to say, Hey, how long has this been bothering you? What's your pain level on this mm-hmm. thing? You know, what's your motivation level to fix it? Do you actually yep. want to commit to fixing it? What kind of time and energy do you want to put into it? And I find that it's really key to have a separate phone call or have that separate, um, session, like, like, um, you said your coaches are doing, and it Mm -hmm. sounds like it's almost like the way you guys structure it. It's almost like a, it's like a free trial session, even Mm -hmm. more than just a consult. Right. Yeah. Yep. It is. Yeah. It it becomes a, a conversation, right. About, like you said, um, you know, how long has this been going on? You know, do you want to even fix it? Are you ready to dedicate the time? Cause it does take time to do this. And then taking them into the studio and actually going through movements, going through a small workout, seeing how people move. It does turn into like a mini session for them because that is also a piece of the sales process, right? If you can, if you can pick those things out for people and then really like show them, like, this is what you should look like. This is what you look like. This is what we need to do to fix it. People don't even see that stuff. Like if you don't have mirrors in your gym and they don't see, like if you don't have them turn to the side and squat and they can't see how horrible their knees are coming out front of their toes, their knees are caving in, they're not going to know. But if you can even video them in the session and be like, do you see this? Do you see this? This is the problem. This is why your knees hurt. This is why your back hurts. This is why your shoulder hurts. And this is how we're going to fix it. That is a, that, that usually puts the nail in the coffin because people just don't know. They don't see, you know? Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any favorite questions that you like to ask in a sales process or that you like your coaches to ask that you found to be more valuable than others? Um, I would say the biggest questions is number one, what are you currently doing right now for fitness? Cause it seems like a really broad generic question, but you need to know that you need to know what people have been doing a, as a coach, if you don't know, like, for example, and this is real life example, cause this just happened like two weeks ago, we had a secret shopper come into our studio and she had worked out at F45. She was very fluent in exercise and we did not ask her how long she has been working out or what she's been doing for fitness. So when she got into class, uh, our coach just handed her five pound weights and that was part of her critique. It was like, she didn't really ask me like if I wanted heavier weights or where my fitness level was. So she couldn't challenge me or she didn't challenge me because she didn't understand my level of fitness. So I think that's a super important question for coaches to ask is what's your level of fitness? What have you been doing? How often have you been working out? That's number one. Number two is how committed are you? Which again, sounds so stupid, but it is a real question. Like you said, like, are you committed to changing this? Are you committed to your goal on a scale of one to 10? Where are you at? You know? Um, and I also think that, um, the last question would be, do you have a support system at home? Who is at home high-fiving you when you come home for your, from your workouts, who is at home asking you how you're feeling, cheering you on when you're fitting into jeans or you're lifting heavier, or you're coming home and having non-scale victories, who is there that has your back because support system is huge. And, and knowing 
as a coach, knowing that that person has somebody at home, I think is really important because you can use that as a conversation piece. Like, Hey, did your husband give you a high five? Did you tell him that you hit a PR today at, at your session? I hope you told him because he'd be so proud of you because that it creates buy-in from the spouse or the support system too. And that's so important. Nine times out of 10, when you get prospects in your gym, they're the only person in their household, nine times out of 10, like our demographic, that's the only person they are the only person in the household that's healthy or has healthy habits. Their person living with them doesn't eat healthy, doesn't work out, watches Netflix. So they're constantly being pulled in that negative direction. So you've got to make sure that they have a solid support system and that they're amping that support system up all the time too. So I think would say those are the three most important questions. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I actually had never heard the support system one, but I do think it's kind of interesting because it's almost like, it's almost like you're pointing out one of their barriers to success and mm-hmm. helping them to start overcoming it um, in a more subtle way. And then yeah. also it's almost like you're offering to be that support system if they mm-hmm. don't have someone at home. Okay, 100%. how can step in and be that thing knowing that this, this is going to be a struggle? Um, but it, it's, it's so big. I mean, you know, we mm-hmm. know that we're the, the, the product of the five people we spend the most time with. And if that mm-hmm. person at home is really, uh, you know, hating on us, kind of holding us back, then it's really hard to, to make progress. Yeah. We did a, um, a focus group, which if you have not done a focus group at your gym, you absolutely like whoever's listening to this, you, whoever you need to do a focus group at your gym. So we did one with 10 of our like best members. So there were some criteria they had to meet. They had to be over the age of 30. Um, They had to have been a paying member of our gym for longer than three months. Um, Those are like, those are the two main ones. They had to be over 30 and they had to be a a member of our gym for over three months. So when we did this focus group, one of the questions was asked, like, do you have a support system at home or what is your support system at home like? And the most popular answer was, or, or your spouse, is your spouse supportive? The most popular answer was, yes, they are, but their habits don't align with mine. Like, yeah, they're okay with me going to the gym, but their personal habits are not healthy, which lets us know that that's a challenge for them at home. If, if they're coming to the gym and we're like, drink water, eat healthy, go to bed, but their spouse is like, Hey, let's stay up. Hey, let's go out for to eat every single night. Hey, let's, you know, have drinks every night, like whatever that is. Right that that's a barrier for them. And that could be a reason for cancellation. It could be a reason for downgrading. It could be a reason for low utilization. There are a lot of things that a support system indicates in your gym on a retention basis, right? So it's important to know who's cheering them on at home and who's not. Um, I also wanted to point out your second question that you asked, which is how committed are you? And I think that Mm -hmm. question is very uh, interesting and um, we use a similar question. I think we typically ask it is like, um, how ready are you to get started on a scale mm-hmm. of one to 10 and like 10 being like, yeah, I want to start yesterday. And like mm-hmm. one being like, you know, I'm just kind of shopping around. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about those type of questions is it's almost like that person, if they are committed, will start to sell you on their commitment level. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of selling you on them getting started as opposed to mm-hmm. you having to sell them. Because they, yeah. if they are feeling that level of commitment, they want to try to express it and get you mm-hmm. to understand it. And they want to be that client that is committed. Yeah. And I think too, is that when you ask that question at the beginning of the conversation, let's just say you ask it as they're coming in, maybe as they're giving the tour or whatever, we ask it on our client intake form. That's a question that's asked. 
when you, when they write that out for you before class and they come out of class and you actually go to ask for the sale and they tell you, well, I'm not sure you can go to that question. You're like, well, you put a 10 <laughs> on the committed level. So are you a 10 or a five? Cause I'm seeing a 10 on the paper, but I'm hearing a five. So which one right. is it? And, and I think what happens is that in the sales process, and I think this happens with coaches too, is, you know, coaches are the friend, you're the buddy, you're the person that like your, like that member really relates to, and they really have a relationship with. So you want to keep it non-confrontational, but you have to be a little bit confrontational with people because you have to kind of call them on their BS sometimes. Yeah. If they're going to come in and tell you like, yeah, I'm committed. But when it goes to actually asking them to sign up for PT or asking them to sign up for a membership or asking to upgrade their membership, and they give you all these excuses, you got to be okay to call their bluff. You have to be okay with that because that's what these people need. Right. People, these, the people that are coming to our gyms for help, they need us to call us, call them on their BS because nobody else ever has. Everybody's let them have excuses. Everybody's let them get away with things. And if you want to get somebody to sign up for a membership, call them on their BS because they will appreciate you for doing that because you're holding them accountable. And that's what it is. It's just accountability, you know? Yeah. It's just an extension of your coaching. That's all it mm -hmm. is. And that's, that's what people have to realize just because money's involved does not make it any less important. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people would hear what you said about like, Hey, you said you were a five, you said you were a 10, but I'm hearing a five is like, well, that sounds really salesy, but I'm, I'm on board with you. That's just a complete extension of your coaching. Mm -hmm. if you're not, yeah. if you're not willing to do it, then you won't be willing to do it as a coach. When some ne the next obstacle comes down the road mm -hmm you have to be able to shine that mirror in their face to, to yeah. show them where their actions and their words are not lining up. And I do believe as a coach, it puts you on a little bit of a pedestal. Like it really shows your, your, your level of commitment to your clients. I really think that people see your level of commitment when you're okay to hold them accountable. You know what I'm saying? Like if I had a coach that called me on my BS, I would be like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to be able to get away with anything with that person. And that's a good thing because that's the kind of person I want. That's yeah. who I need in my life. I need those people as, as much as it sucks to hear. It's like, I need that, you know, as a person who's trying to lose weight or train for a marathon or do something like I would rather have my coach call me on my bluff than at the race or at the competition or at the game. Like, I don't want it to be in front of a million people. I'd want it to be in front of my coach. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's really all I want to talk about today. Okay. I thought that was awesome. Did you have anything yeah. else to add? Any other final thoughts on the sales side? No, I just think one thing, if you're a studio owner, gym owner, cross the box owner, whoever you are out there listening to this podcast, don't be afraid to ask your coaches to be a part of the sales process, especially if they're coming to you and saying, I want to make more money. I want more money. I want more money. I want more money. You can, what you can do to help them do that is to train them how to sell. That's how you help them. You train them how to sell. So don't be afraid to hold your co coaches accountable to be a part of the sales process because they will thank you later. They really will. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, Brittany. Yeah. Appreciate these insights. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you again on the podcast for episode yes. four in the future. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you.